Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Coburg is a long way from a farm in Alberta where Linda Davis, the CEO of Northumberland Hills Hospital, grew up. Yet you will hear her mention several times in this interview about her love of being in the barn. Her daughter is an equestrian, and she loves spending time with her daughter. Last week, Davis announced her retirement. Her career spans more than 30 years in healthcare. Starting out as a nurse in Edmonton, she moved from the front lines to management, working across the country, including British Columbia, Quebec, and finally Ontario. She arrived in Coburg on November 18, 2013, having just left a hospital in Collingwood. She arrived at a time when the hospital was struggling with its budgets and the demand for services was growing with an aging population. As you will hear in this interview, one of her proudest moments was finally getting the Ontario government to provide more annual funds to fully support middle-sized hospitals like Northumberland. We took a few moments at the end of the interview to talk about the situation with the hospital and the pandemic and upcoming mass vaccinations. So here's my interview with Linda Davis. I'm so pleased to have with me today Linda Davis, the CEO of the Northumberland Hills Hospital. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you, Rob. Deciding to retire is not made in an instant. Can you describe the process that led you to announcing your retirement? Well, that's very interesting, and you probably should speak with my husband. Uh, but uh, I think it's one of those uh, things that certainly uh, I really haven't been pondering for years. Uh, I have been very, very pleased with my career. I've loved every minute of my day and have certainly enjoyed and continue to enjoy my time at Northumberland Hills Hospital. I think it is at a point in time where you begin to look at family and the importance of family. And also, um, I also think that there's a time in every organization when it's time for different leadership or new leadership. Um, I, in my last uh, stint in Collingwood, was there for uh, nine years. I will be here for eight years, um, shy a few months before I leave. And I think it is time uh, for um, someone else to really take the reins. I believe I've given the organization everything that I possibly could. And uh, I also think that new, fresh eyes are also very useful for an organization. But in in that light, though, I, I mean, you have lots of experience. You've guided through many things. Is there not a sense, though, that you want to carry on and, and continue to help grow and, and to shape the, the hospital? I, I believe that a lot of shaping has gone on. And also, there is it's not just me. There's a team 
There's a team behind uh, me in the hospital, staff and physicians, leaders, as well as in the community with the Ontario Health Team of Northumberland. Uh, I'm just one player, and I think that um, I may have been able to help to spark um, the discussions to get us uh, really uh, becoming cohesive, uh, but there are many now who are able to take it forward, and I feel that way about the community as well as the hospital. Was there one particular moment that got you thinking about it, and and was there uh, were there conversations or uh, talks, or did you read something that that made you bring about this final decision? Um, no, I think uh, as as the release said, I have been uh, uh, contemplating this, and uh, certainly the pandemic uh, came in the way of my original uh, plan, which would have been would have seen me leave uh, earlier. But uh, truly, when the pandemic struck, I knew there was a need for me to continue and um, see it through. I think now that we do see uh, light at the end of the tunnel with vaccines being rolled out, um, I feel quite comfortable. Uh, in having make, making or putting a date to it. What are some of the highlights for your time at, with the hospital? Oh, highlights! My goodness, I guess I have to think of the day of the the announcement of the uh, base funding increase. Um, I had such mixed emotions. I know I cried, and uh, that <laughs> is uh, uh, unusual for me. But it was a very uh, poignant moment because it's something that this organization has struggled with for years. And I was so very pleased that we were able to have it recognized, and certainly the support of um, the Ontario Hospital Association, the support of our MPP David Pacini, in order to make it a reality. I think that's a moment that I will not forget. It's interesting you mentioned the Ontario Hospital Association because they put out a tweet just after you announced your retirement calling you an innovator. What innovations do you think they're talking about? I think one of the biggest uh, uh, things that I was able to do was to bring light to the differences in a medium-sized hospital. And I worked with the OHA quite extensively to have them understand uh, what uh, the current funding formula at that time, the problems that it was creating for medium-sized hospitals. And so from that perspective, it was, uh, I think they understood um, uh, much better. The Ontario Hospital Association had a much better understanding of the challenges and together we were able to articulate that to the Ministry of Health. I also think the work of the Ontario Health Team. Uh, our Ontario Health Team uh, was one of the first of the first fourteen to be announced, and I think that um, and truly, you know, I don't I, I don't really think of myself as an innovator. I'd like to think of myself as a collaborator, as a team player, and um, sometimes you just need a really strong cheerleader to sort of take you to the finish line. Um, so uh, I, I really was pleased uh, that we were able to do the kinds of things that we've done with the Ontario Health Team as well. Besides the pandemic, what were some of the challenges you faced over your time with us? Well, certainly I think the biggest challenge uh, was the financial um, uh, challenges and uh, the fiscal instability. uh, And that was something that was realized as I came into the organization. And so for a number of years, we continued to look to see where we could reduce costs. And that was very, very challenging um, when there's growing needs and you know you need to be able to expand services, to be thinking about reducing services or trying to reduce costs was very challenging. Um, I think that uh, what it did, though, was having gone through that, it showed uh, that there was little 
more to be found, and hence the need for uh, that uh, structural deficit to be addressed. So I think certainly that was one of the, the biggest challenges. I think the other is really having, um, I'm not sure whether it's a challenge, but it's a uh, uh, it's, it was one of the things that I think is very important in any organization is to really build a culture of people uh, working in the same direction uh, throughout the organization and listening to people from throughout the organization. And it's just something that I've always done in every organization. I've worked hard to make sure that frontline staff have a voice, uh, that we hear regularly from staff, physicians, and we engage all of our managers in decision-making as well as our frontline staff and patients and families. So I think that, um, and again, it wasn't a problem, but it was an opportunity uh, that was here, and um, I have truly enjoyed that work. And I'm so very proud of the team. And, and that team strength showed itself through the pandemic. Uh, our ability to rally so quickly, and I think you've heard me say this before, I couldn't be more proud of what the team did in such a very short time. Uh, but it's that all pulling in the same direction, all understanding the common goal, and all being so committed. And, and that truly, that culture exists uh, both within our organization and within the Ontario Health Team of Northumberland. It's interesting you talk about that because for many of us, we just see politicians showing up and giving checks and everybody smiles and says, thank you. Can you take us inside that battle? What was the moment where you realized you had made an impact and actually changed the way that people saw medium-sized hospitals and the, the lack of funding and the need to properly fund this level of health care? Well, it probably began with the conversation with the Ontario Hospital Association because they represent a number of medium-sized hospitals across the province. And um, I, of course, Collingwood was the same and uh, similar financial challenges. So I understood it from that venue as well. And I think having the Ontario Hospital Association say, aha, wait a minute. And it's not that, you know, there were a number of us coming together and, and bringing it forward to realize that there was a difference, that there was a challenge, and to be able to take that forward to the ministry, uh, to me, was was a, a very important moment as well for, for my colleagues in medium-sized hospitals and certainly for Northumberland Hills Hospital. Now, the hospital board often sits in the shadows. Uh, they meet regularly and they make a lot of decisions that affect us. What are your, some of your memories working with the board? Uh, interesting question. I have some wonderful memories of working with the various members throughout the uh, seven and a half years now. I think that uh, I remember a discussion early on, uh, in fact, when I was being recruited, and uh, John Hudson and Bob Carmen were on my uh, selection recruitment committee, and I remember John Hudson saying to me, and I asked about the financial um, situation of the hospital, and he said, well, we're, we're a little cash poor, but we're asset rich. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and I remember that. Plus, uh, I think that um, uh, both uh, Bob and John were so very um, aware. And what they instilled upon me was the, uh, I think, the tremendous support that this hospital has from its community. And obviously that I've, I've come to know and to, to learn throughout the seven years. So not only just by the board members who are so committed to wanting to make uh, this organization strong, but also to the work of the foundation and then all of the people who uh, generously donate or volunteer their time 
to support the hospital. So certainly I think uh, that was a very uh, telling moment, uh, learning, getting to know board members. Um, board members who give so much of their personal time and uh, went well beyond what my expectation would be for a board member to help, to understand, to uh, fight the fight of understanding medium-sized hospitals. And um, yeah, I've just, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know them all. And I'm so, what I will take away with me is the significant commitment that uh, board members have made um, to uh, the time of the hospital, getting to know us and supporting the uh, myself and, and the team at the hospital. You have a, a great range of staff that work for you, everything from people who clean through to specialist doctors and, and highly trained nurses. Can you share any stories about your relationships with those people over the last seven and a half years? Oh, now we only have, uh, we don't have two hours, right? <laughs> I think that um, it's really uh, getting to know staff that makes a difference. And um, sometimes them just uh, letting you know a little bit about themselves and their family. Um, one individual who I've gotten to know or got to know a fair amount actually <clears throat> just uh, left our organization uh, because she was living apart from family. Uh, excuse me one minute. <clears throat> and that is not a COVID cough. Um, and um, she and I had a very uh, a tremendous, just a good conversation. And she said to me, I, I, she didn't want to leave without having an opportunity to just have a great conversation. And um, I think those are just the things that uh, that really make a difference to me. Or a staff member stopping me in the hallway and telling me um, about their um, pet. Uh, one of the questions I always ask in orientation, we, we get try to get to know each other in the orientation. And I always talk about my grand dogs. I don't have any grandchildren, but I have two grand dogs. And of course, we get to know, then I get to know the stories about their dogs as well. And uh, some I, I can't remember just because of the number of staff in the organization, but many of them I will remember. And we talk about their, their pets as well. So I think it's just, it's about the relationships that you form. And I hope that that's what I will leave as well. I hope that staff will remember me as someone who they got to know and had a relationship uh, versus just someone who may have been sitting in the, the CEO's office. Who are some of the key players who influenced you? That's a really good question, and I, I think I uh, there are many of them. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I started out in healthcare sort of by accident. Uh, my, uh, I grew up in a family of four girls and one boy, and my f oldest sister was a, a secretary. My second oldest sister was a teacher. The third was a social worker, and I sat there and said, oh, my goodness, what am I going to be? And it ended up being nursing, um, And because uh, at that point in time, you know, many women were going, obviously, into nursing. And I absolutely enjoyed my career immensely as a, a nurse at the bedside and have wonderful, fond memories. I think the person who influenced me to begin to look at management, I remember very succinctly, uh, she's a well-known leader in the nursing field, and um, she um, said to me, I, I think you should be a manager for this unit. And I said, really? Um, and she said, yes. And so it's, it's interesting because it, prior to that, I hadn't really understood my own leadership skills or style or whatever. And um, I think she influenced me a great deal to begin to understand those and to learn how to 
develop them and to grow them and become a stronger leader. And then several of the leaders that I've worked with who have really, um, I think, impressed upon me that uh, it's it's relationships. Uh, I have a sign in my office, and I'm looking at it right now, which says, people will forget what you said. People forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. It is about relationships. It's about getting to know people. And I think as, um, as other leaders that I've worked with, uh, I have, have come to know that building relationships are one of the key, key important things in um, working as well as in your own personal life. What's been the role of your family? Uh, my family. My husband has been retired for a number of years. And um, uh, up until, I guess maybe the pandemic has something to do with this, because he was very busy on the golf course, of course. This summer he did get out there, but this winter he hasn't been able to get anywhere to go golfing. And so um, uh, it, that certainly is adding uh, that, uh, that little push to say, come on now, we need to, we need to be able to um, do some golfing together. So I think that uh, family-wise, um, my husband has been just a fantastic support. Um, he moved now twice with me. I moved with him from Vancouver to Montreal, and um, then uh, as his role changed in Montreal, he said to me, your turn. So he followed me to Ontario, or came to Ontario, and since then we have made two or three moves, and he has uh, managed to uh, to do that with me and always uh, maintaining his own roles until he retired. So he's been a fantastic support in my life. Uh, my daughter is very is someone who uh, just, you know, you live and you breathe for. Um, she is an equestrian. She's not not uh, not on the Canadian Olympic team, but she loves to ride and has been riding since she's eight. And so, on my days off, if I get time, I like to get out to the barn. I like to be with the horse, and I like to be with her. Um, so that's my family. What role did your friends play? What role did my friends play in in my whole career? in your career? Yeah, in, in being oh. at the hospital. Um, gee, I think that, uh, and again, uh, I've had friends across the country, uh, Vancouver, Montreal, Ontario. Uh, I think it is, uh, it's one of those things that always gives you that different view uh, when I can, uh, you know, have a text or a quick phone call or uh, now it's a Zoom or a, or a FaceTime uh, with friends that they, uh, I think you need a balance in life. And that's what my friends have provided for me. Um, I can't work 24-7, 365 days a week. So between family and friends, they have provided a balance for me and certainly also always encouragement and certainly, you know, great, uh, great kudos uh, when things uh, have gone so well. The timing of the retirement might raise some questions in the minds of some listeners. We are in the midst of a very serious second wave of this pandemic, and then we suddenly hear that you're retiring in August. Some people might think, well, you know what, she, is she jumping ship in the middle of this? I know earlier you, you said there's sort of a light at the end of the tunnel, and yet there's so much uncertainty. Why did you pick this moment to make the announcement uh, when it's, it seems like it's so far off and, and we're in the midst of so much? Well, truly, I wanted to give the board sufficient time to do a recruitment process. Uh, I think choosing a new leader is always a very important thing, and it takes time. Um, so most recruitments will take four to six months to come to, com 
to fruition. And so I wanted to give them that time to find a leader uh, to replace me. I certainly would not lead this organization in a situation where if we were still in pandemic and there is not a replacement, that would be that would be something that I would have to certainly reconsider. Um, I am not jumping ship. I am trying to give long lead time and truly believe that, uh, that vaccines are going to be rolled out and we will be in a different state. And as well, the, the length of time that's being given will provide for transition. As well, there is a very strong team behind me. And uh, I feel quite confident uh, in the fact that uh, they will be able to also carry on uh, with, with a new leader. Now, some people may not realize that you were active outside the hospital. I believe you, you are a Rotarian, and you've also been involved in other community activities. Can you tell us a bit about that? Certainly. I've been an active Rotarian. I was uh, active in uh, Collingwood as well now in Coburg, a uh, member of the uh, Rotary Club of Coburg. And I think that uh, that has certainly been a lot of the activities that I do. I think in terms of other community activities, it's, it's in, in Coburg, it has been limited just because of the time that I've been here and uh, uh, other things with that. But I think uh, outside of the hospital, I also do uh, work for an organization called Accreditation Canada. And it is a, a standards body uh, for Canada for healthcare. And I will, as a, as a peer, I will go into hospitals and observe their standards and um, you know any advice I can give them, just as I have every four years, our organization has an accreditation team come in um, to do a, a survey with us. I go into other organizations, both in Canada, across Canada, as well as internationally. And that, that's a way of giving back uh, to my profession and to healthcare in terms of any of the knowledge that I can impart. You sound like you work a lot and you do a lot of serious things. What do you do for fun when you're not at the hospital and you're not doing serious stuff? I'd like to think I'm at the barn. Um, I grew up on a farm uh, and uh, I have I have great love of horses. Uh, I have I never did get an opportunity to ride seriously, but my daughter has, and I am a groom. Um, so uh, during the summer months, and I know when I retire, and she's she's looking forward to that because I can become the full time groom. Um, I spend a fair amount of the time, uh, my time at the barn, and as I, I am going to try to become a better golfer. Uh, I have not, of course, I've always had to golf in hospital tournaments or those types of things, but I've never been a good golfer, and so I hope to become a better golfer. Well, that leads me into my next question, which was going to ask you, what are you going to do once you retire? So you've given us two things that you're going to do, but are you going to stay in the area, and, and do you have some other plans for your retirement? Uh, that's you know what I haven't really thought any further than I've just made this big decision to suggest it's it's a, a date or a month, um, so I think that's stuff uh, things that we will be uh, considering and reviewing with time. Uh, I have a sister who lives in St. Catharines. My daughter lives in Hamilton. Uh, I think it's important we will look to see you know where um, uh, where we can uh, continue to live, and um, as I said at this point we we have no plans other than as I said to. Um, to make the decision and, uh, and then off, obviously to try to do more golfing this summer. I'd like to take a few moments before we part company to talk about the hospital and the pandemic. Um, have the frontline hospital staff received any vaccinations yet? 
No, at Northumberland Hills Hospital, we have not received vaccine uh, to be able to or to be able to have our staff be vaccinated. We do uh, understand that the province has had their priority areas, and uh, certainly Northumberland has not been as affected, thank goodness, uh, with COVID-19 positive cases as some of the other areas of Toronto or or Durham. Uh, so, no, some of our hosp- some of our staff do work in other hospitals uh, that may have gotten the vaccine and so hence have have been vaccinated but that's a very small number some of our staff and our physicians who may work in Oshawa or uh, in Toronto um, have received the vaccine but no we do not have uh, that and we don't know a date as of yet. Is there anything that can be done to expedite this at all? I think it's one of those uh, things that we have to take and understand a much broader picture. Um, I think, you know, everyone is reading uh, the news about the uh, Pfizer vaccine being slowed because of the plant changes uh, in Europe. And uh, so recognizing that there will be um, not the vaccines coming as quickly as we might wish them to, that we need to really be tolerant. Uh, As one of my colleagues said, you know, we've been in this pandemic now for 10 months, almost 11 months, and um, our PPE or personal protective equipment has stood us in good stead, and it'll stand us in good stead for another month or two. And so that's really how we're approaching it. Um, I think there is, I believe certainly that there's angst amongst our staff and physicians. They'd like to get the vaccine. We also know that we need to get vaccine to our long-term care residents and staff. So, uh, yes, anything that I can do, I'm certainly in conversation with public health, um, and we will certainly be advocating, but we also understand that there are uh, there are some, cha- some challenges with the uh, supply chain, as well as there's other priorities that have perhaps may have a higher need than, than ourselves. Now, we've heard a lot about other hospitals with intensive care units or ICUs that are full or overflowing. H- how is our hospital's capacity right now? We are, um, I think this morning it was 108% uh, full, and so we have obviously opened spaces that are not necessarily usually used. In our ICU, we have been running uh, still with some empty beds. We have a capacity for 10, and we usually have two or three empty beds in our ICU, um, uh, but really don't have a lot of capacity within the, the rest of our medical surgical beds. We've also heard, though, that the Ontario government is urging the transfer of patients between hospitals to create room. Has Northumberland Hills accepted people from other hospitals? To date, we have not, and that's been primarily because of our high level of occupancy. We've just not had the capacity to do so. I can see how some people might, though, question this strategy since we are bringing infected people into our region and thereby increasing risk to uh, the staff at the hospital and the community at large. How is this a good strategy? I think we really have to look at what's happening in, in uh, you know, the downtown hospital. Scarborough earlier this week admitted their 300th COVID positive patients, patient, 300. And I truly, I think, I feel for those staff and physicians, and I want to make their life as uh, uh, feasible as possible if we can. Our, our resources need to be looked at as a provincial resource. Um, we're all taxpayers. These resources are here for all of us. And if we need to help people who might be living in another area, I think we need to do that just as our peer hospitals, as major centers, help us. Uh, The Orange, as many people know, come in and out of our hospital um, sometimes several times a day. And people are going off to large regional centers 
to have care. And I think that we, we, we need to rely on each other. So we need to be there when our counterparts need us. And with our, with our use of PPE, we should be able to care for these patients quite carefully without in, in, you know, infecting anyone else. So um, I think it's, it's just really trying to make sure that, that we need to be part of the system because that system has been there for us. What is the state of hospital staff at this point? Uh, I think that um, it's always, I mean, it's post-Christmas, right? It's uh, January, and fortunately we haven't had the terribly bitter cold winter days um, but I think it's always a little bit harder at the beginning of the new year. Uh, I think there's a number of things as well that may be adding it to the, the anxiety, the anticipation of receiving vaccines, of, of knowing that, you know, that this could be coming to an end, yet it's not quite here. So that, that does create some emotional um, uh, stress. And uh, we are quite um, aware of it. We will be bringing in some supports for staff. We have these conversations frequently. And um, I think it's something that we're really fully aware of. And it's not just our staff. I mean, I think it's throughout uh, our first responders have been dealing with this for so very long. Uh, I think it's always, we just have to stop and remember that, uh, that we, we will get through this. And we'll get through it together. What is being done through the Ontario health teams to alleviate any pressure on the hospital? I think that uh, right now most of our work is concentrated on opening uh, the uh, Ontario or the uh, Colburn um, outreach clinic. Um, so it hasn't started to operate yet, but hopefully will in February. And that's really an opportunity to provide some, uh, whether it's uh, primary care through nurse practitioners, mental health counseling, dental services. So it's really, it's really promoting health and making sure we're helping to support people before they need a hospital. I think the other uh, community paramedicine program, which was part of our OHTN and has really taken off, um, they are doing home monitoring, sorry, home monitoring uh, of patients and also are able to monitor patients who may have been in hospital, are going home, but they are able to go in and monitor them for as long as needed, you know, whether it's uh, a week or two weeks, um, to make sure that they're doing all right and not needing to come back to the hospital. Our community paramedicine uh, partners and uh, the members of the Northumberland Family Health Team, the Port Hope uh, Community Health Centre, all have been supporting our assessment centre for uh, for assessing and testing individuals who have upper respiratory illnesses and potentially COVID, um, as well as in the Canton testing site. It is being staffed entirely by staff from community paramedics and our other partners uh, versus hospital staff. So really Really, the, the, um, in terms of the, the support that we're receiving is helping us to be able to do our work and uh, really being there so that our staff aren't stretched even further, uh, and, and that's been a huge help for us. Is there any planning going on surrounding the local vaccination plans beyond what we're getting from press releases from the government? Yes, yes, there is. Uh, in fact, uh, we were just on a call with public health and the Ontario Health Team of Northumberland, uh, which we do on a regular basis. And um, there is a mass vaccination. 
plan being developed through public health, and uh, they've already reached out to primary care physicians. I think that meeting just occurred yesterday, um, and um, thinking about the role of public health, uh, sorry, primary care, as well, um, certainly the hospital. We are we have a number of uh, physicians who have recently retired who have volunteered to come back and to help support mass vaccination. I think the town of Coburg is also um, has an MOU with public health to use the um, the CCC, uh, the Coburg Community Centre, as uh, a mass vaccination site. Um, today, we talked with primary care about uh, drive-through uh, vaccine uh, clinics. So it's really it it is building um, in terms of the community and anticipate as you know, community vaccination will probably be considered in phase two and three um, so that's still a month or two away but that that plan is building and will continue um, to certainly build our hospital plan is uh, is complete we have been able to um, been working on our plan now for a while we have prior prioritized um, the staff roles that we have to uh, we've used the the ministry's matrix to determine uh, which staff are at the highest risk and should be given that vaccine first so that work is uh, is uh, com- almost complete we have purchased the Pfizer freezer to be able to support the or not the Pfizer the freezer that will support the Pfizer vaccine at minus 80 degrees Celsius so our plans are certainly uh, together and uh, if the vaccine was to appear tomorrow we'd be able to uh, start uh, vaccinating Okay, I know, I know people talk in generalities of a couple of months, but it can, what can local people start getting vaccines? Is there any timeline other than just the generalities? Uh, I would be afraid to put any timeline on it because I think change, things change so quickly. Um, I, you know, I know that the ministry was hopeful that they would have all residents in long-term care, residents and staff in long-term care vaccinated by February the 14th. Um, and um, I think that date is now getting pushed out because of the uh, shortage of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, so uh, that was part of phase one. Healthcare workers are part of phase one. Uh, I am certain that it will probably be March before we're sort of looking at the end of phase one. So phase two, um, hopefully April, May, June. Linda Davis, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. It's my pleasure, Rob. That was my conversation with Linda Davis, CEO of Northumberland Hills Hospital. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. 
and don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.